If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are so many complex and complicated problems besetting our society, our own lives. And when we are faced with overwhelming problems, we often seek clear, one-answer solutions. In our own lives, when things go wrong, a child is struggling, our job is in danger, we're facing a health scare, we often seek a quick fix that tackles the immediate problem, stops the immediate pain, but doesn't get at the underlying issue. In our public life this past week, we saw multiple attempts to come up with quick fixes to complicated problems, including a return to a draconian solution to our ongoing drug problem. Even though we know that people sell and use drugs for a variety of reasons, even though we know that there are now 10 times more people in prison for drugs than there were 30 to 40 years ago, even though the drug crime rate has not changed, this past week the Attorney General instructed all federal prosecutors to return to the old tough-on-crime practices of pursuing even low-level drug crimes and enforcing mandatory minimums. I think all of the above are just the kind to show what kind of humans we are. We just want solutions for the problem, fast, even if it's not clear that it's the right solution. And now we find ourselves in the midst of an opioid epidemic and rising death rates among middle-aged white people, deaths being called deaths of despair by suicide, drugs, and alcohol. None of these problems have obvious solutions. And they put me in mind of the book Chasing the Scream, the first and last days of the war on drugs and the TED talk that author Johan Hari gave about it. In this book, Hari researched our drug war at first accepting the conventional thinking about addiction. Drugs are powerful and they cause us to become addicted. In his talk, though, he highlighted a study of rats put in a cage with a choice of two bottles, one with water, one water laced with cocaine. Left to its own devices, a rat would return to the bottle with cocaine over and over again until it died. But later, Another researcher examining the study noticed that there was always just one rat in each cage with nothing to do but choose between two bottles. So he ran the experiment again, but this time placing the rats in essentially a rat amusement park with colored balls and lots of tunnels to explore and race through, good food, and most important, plenty of friends to play with. In the rat park, 
All the rats tried both bottles, but the rats with things to do and mates to play with, they didn't like the drugged water. They shunned it. None of them died. The isolated rats became addicted. None of the social rats did. Now, lest this was a rat-only phenomenon, <laughs> Hari looked at the experience of soldiers in the Vietnam War where heroin was rampant. About 20% of U.S. soldiers had become addicted while in Vietnam, and people were terrified that a horde of veterans were going to return home addicted to heroin, and they were scrambling to figure out how to address the problem. The surprise? When the addicted soldiers got home to family and friends and meaning, 95% of them simply stopped using heroin. Very few went to rehab. When they re-entered a community of meaning, a community of friends, they just didn't want the drug anymore. Now, I want you to hear me say that addiction is really, really complicated. And we all know those who struggle with addictions, we know those who struggle with them even though they are in the midst of community. Still, it seems that being with other humans who care for us, who are present with us, that having a purpose, that those things are enough to keep many of us free from all kinds of addiction. The right question, it turns out, isn't just how to wage a war on drugs, how to punish people. The real question, it turns out, is how do we combat isolation and meaninglessness? How do we build community and connect people? Now that can sound kind of soft and fuzzy. It doesn't satisfy our problem-solving brain's desire for a clear plan, a diagram, a solution. And a plan, a diagram, a linear solution is just what the disciples were hungry for today as Jesus is saying goodbye to them, trying to comfort them as he tells them he's going to leave. And because we're human and we love solutions, answers to the how and the why, desiring a clear plan, we often interpret this passage where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, as being about only what happens after death and who goes to heaven. And though this does have something to say about both, which is why we often read it at funerals, it has more to say about the disciples right then and about our lives right now. The disciples are understandably anxious and sad during what is known as Jesus' farewell discourse. After all, they've just finished their last meal together where Jesus has given them the new commandment to love one another. He has warned them that, that he will be betrayed by one of them, that one of them will deny him. And now he is telling them that he must go away. 
They respond quickly with fears of being abandoned, of not knowing where Jesus is going, so how can they follow him? If Jesus followed our ways, he might shame them. He might tell them exactly what to do. Or he might provide a clear, systematic theology to explain everything that's happening. But that's not what he does. Instead, Jesus offers himself. Jesus offers relationship, not a roadmap. When Thomas asks, panicked, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. He doesn't issue a set of laws or rules or directions. After all, nothing that we do will get us to the place he has prepared for us. Jesus is the way. He takes us there. When Philip looks for some more clarity, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied, Jesus answers, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If we want to know how to see God, all we need to do is look to Jesus. If we want to know the way to heaven, then we look to the way, who is Jesus. Jesus promises us that we cannot get lost. We cannot mess it up because we already know the way and it's not a set of directions provided by GPS. It's a person, a relationship with one who already loves us, one who knows us, one who shows us what God is like, generous and loving, hanging out with outcasts, healing and forgiving sins, serving the very ones he leads, offering his whole self for love of us. Here, Jesus is not presenting a hoop to jump through, believe this in order to get that. Instead, he offers a relationship with God through him. After all, just before this, Jesus was at the Last Supper with his disciples where he washed their feet and he fed them and then he asked them to love one another as he had loved them. In the midst of their questions and fears, Jesus gives them himself and one another, the body of Christ on earth after Christ ascends to the Father. So do not fear. We know the way, and it's not a map, but a person. It's not a quick fix, but community. When you're wondering where God is, when you're feeling alone, desperate, caught in a cage of anxiety and worry, turn to Jesus 
the one who we know loves us just as he loved all those he befriended and loved during his lifetime. And because we know him, we know God. Turn to Jesus by receiving his real presence in the bread and wine on the altar. Turn to Jesus by coming to church here at All Saints, this body of Christ here at 16th and Central. Now, none of these things, Jesus in the scripture or on the altar or in this community, will answer every question you and I have, nor will they solve every problem. They won't provide clear-cut answers or easy fixes. But that's not the point, is it? What we need more of is God's presence in our lives. What we need is the meaning that can only come from loving and serving one another in community. What we need is to know that no matter what, no matter the problem, the fear, the worry, we are not alone. For God is with us. And God is the way home. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.